the Should Have Backed It podcast is back for the 2022 Autumn Carnival. With the first Group 1 of the season run and won by superstar Mayor Tefane, I'm joined by Australia's number one tipster and News Corp racing editor, Chris Venuccio. Big V, it has been a big summer. What's been keeping you busy, mate? Hello, Phil. Great to be back for 2022. And it's been a pretty, yeah, pretty good summer. I've been away in January, so I haven't been able to watch too much racing or have too many bets. So now we're into February, you know, having a, a, you know, a few more bets, trying to find a few more winners and you know, really you know, getting excited with the Autumn Carnival that's about to come. Haven't had too many bets. You went up to Gold Coast to the Magic Millions, mate. What are you talking about? Well, that's probably the the exception to to January when I finally went away on a belated honeymoon. So I, did, I thought that wouldn't be a good look if I was studying the form with the misses around. So yeah, there was a, a lot of winners that I did miss out on, which it was painful because you know a few horses I was following and. You know, they, they ended up getting up. And, I, you know, you're just thinking, oh, if I was having a punt today, I would have had a, a good day. And so just that's just unfortunate. So Magic Williams Day was the exception. Got to have a, a few bets and go out to the track. But now got my mind 100% focused now on the races and, you know, can't wait. Well, I think I think you've. Oh, mate! I just wanted to say I think you've made the right bet. Yeah, looking after Lady V there, but I'm I am glad that you got out to the Magic Millions. I I know we've tried to get out there a couple times, and we're out enjoying it a few years ago. Last time we saw each other was Boxing Day, and that was a pretty dirty day for me. One a day that I I wanted to forget pretty quickly. No, it's been a good summer, Big V. I've, I've largely kept my head out of racing as well, just in, enjoying the sun, which we are experiencing in Melbourne, and enjoying being back out and about and being able to travel inter and intrastate, mate. So, yeah, um, Boxing Day, that was that seems like a long time ago now, mate. I'm definitely looking into 2022 and hoping we can back some winners, uh, certainly moving forward, because I couldn't find one on the weekend. Yeah, it was a pretty bad day at Caulfield. I didn't have too much luck, and... I, I managed to save myself with Snap Dancer at Randwick later in the day, but it was pretty tough at Caulfield. I think with the way the track was playing, it was overwatered. I think if you're on the rail, you were disadvantaged a little bit. So that made it tough, tough particularly in the first two races with the two favourites going down because they were hard up on the rail and you don't really get a, a gauge of the pattern until after the first couple of races. And I think by midway... I think it was well established. You had to be off the off the rail, but yeah, it was a pretty tough day. And you know, I put all my eggs in Cinnawan in the All Stakes, and you know that was a you know, pretty bad result there. That that hurt a bit. Yeah, I mean that was our first Group One of the season, which I mentioned off the top when Tofano won convincingly in the end. Um, were there any runs in behind that you, you thought were worthy, or was it just a dominant performance? Oh no, she was pretty dominant up front with the way that the race panned out, lightsaber missing the start, she was able to control the speed. But there's some good runs behind her. You know, Cascadian, he was closer to the rail, so probably the worst part of the track. Sierra Sue ran pretty well. On Thunderstruck was the eye catcher. And I think the, the other horse that probably hasn't gotten a lot of mention was Inspirational Girl. You go back and watch the replay, just as good as I'm Thunderstruck, and her closing sectionals were a lot better than I'm Thunderstruck. You know, we're all, a lot of people are talking about 
on Thunderstruck being the one to follow going into the All-Star Mile. But I think Inspirational Girl is looking good as well, wherever she's going. I don't know if she's going to an All-Star Mile. I, I thought, um, yeah, she was one that you know caught the eye as well. And I believe you were on Sierra Sue. What did you make of, of her run? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty sound run. I mean, you're sort of getting $13, $15 about her. Uh, track and trip specialist, so I thought worth a shot at that price. On the turn, I thought she was looming for perhaps a, at least a place, but kind of just sort of peaked on its run late, and a um, few, few others were able to sneak past it, including Lighthouse and Cascadian. Um, was never going to trouble Tefane, though, who, as you mentioned, was uh, quite a dominant win. I am interested, though, you mentioned I'm Thunderstruck there, Big V, and there's been a little bit of criticism around the ride on I'm Thunderstruck from there, from Jai McNeil. What did you think of the ride? Do you think that impacted its ability? Barrier 11, first up, the All-Star Mile is the is the goal. I mean, that's what I was expecting, you know, back in the field and be running on strongly, also carry, also wait for age. Whereas when it won the Turak Handicap, it was only carrying 52, now it was wait for age. So I thought it was a, you know, sound performance. And, yeah, I don't think there was too much to be disappointed with. Fair enough. But uh, speaking of a horse that didn't disappoint, Probabil in the last there at Caulfield. Well, before the race, just looked like a Monty, but she only just snuck in. Yeah, I thought it was a... On, on face value, you would have thought, oh, she's only just one. You know, coming up, you know, flying mascot, you know, probably was looking for further. Maria Mia was coming up, coming out of a, a weak rating race. And I just thought, just to only... You know, a nose between the top three, you know, maybe was a, not as good a performance, but I think when you go and look at the times and, and all that, it was actually quite a, a really good return, and I think she's in for a good prep as well. And, and I think we're selling Flying Mascot a bit short because, you know, she got to her peak performance late in the spring, and there's some conjecture whether that might have been a one-off, but I think she's come back really well, and she'll be a horse to follow out of this meeting as well. And, and I think Maria Mia was unlucky last start or the start before and maybe didn't get to show her best as well so you know, I think probably is in for a good prep and you know maybe you've got to look at her for the futurity a lot of those other horses coming out of the all stakes will go to, onto the futurity so you know she's she's that horse that's coming from a, a different race but how did you see probably because I think you had the house on her uh, well, mate, I don't own a house, so that would have been tough. But um, look, I think the the favourite punters when she was round in the turn at a dollar seventy five would have been a little bit nervous. But look, she wasn't fully wound up. I think she's one of those horses. You mentioned the track conditions that actually um, sort of performed against that track bias as well, and was able to come from the back of the field. And look, it's her first up run, obviously you know, in the top echelon of horses that goes around in Australia at the moment and will be as good as, and as competitive as ever, particularly on dry tracks, which is obviously where she does her absolute best work. So, yeah, I was pretty happy she just got the nose down on the line, Big V. That's fair to say that, though. And I suppose when you've got a leader that's controlling the race, it, it does make it hard for those horses behind to make up that ground because you've, you've got a leader that's controlling the tempo and he's also running pretty slick sectionals home too so they're always hard to run down so I think when you watch the replay a few times you just see how well Probabil and Flying Mascot did run and at the moment I'm probably looking at Probabil for that futurity in a couple of weeks time with a lot of those horses out of the ore not a lot of them screamed 
back me next time. There was a, you know, like on Thunderstruck and Cascadian, and it, they they look like runs where yeah they probably might need another run before they get to their peaks third up. And I also thought from the all, Behemoth was pretty disappointing. But I was against Behemoth going from eleven hundred to fourteen, so I was surprised that he jumped out favourite. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned it a few times on this podcast. Eleven to fourteen is something that I I try to steer clear of second up. And I know he pulled up with a slow recovery, but it's it's good that good to know that my judgment or my philosophy on that aspect of form came to fruition on the weekend. Yeah, and Big V, we saw the return on the weekend of a couple of uh, Melbourne Cup runners who obviously are getting set for a big autumn prep. Um, not the least, of course, very elegant there on the Apollo up in Randwick. But we also had Spanish Mission go around at Caulfield and another horse that's obviously attracted attention in Melbourne Cups in years gone by, Surprise Baby. Might be a bit of an open question, but what did you make of all three horses run and are they one? Are they all worth following moving forward? Yeah, I'll start off with uh, Caulfield, with... Um Spanish Mission and Surprise Baby. I thought they were both pretty good runs. Uh, Surprise Baby was actually really good, considering you know he came back last spring and probably it looked a, a well off the pace. And this was a you know a, there's strong tempo in this race, so it probably did help him you know run out that 1600 you know, strongly. But I think when you look past the winning post, Surprise Baby was still had a a good head of steam going through the line. And I think Spanish Mission is the one you want to have a look at for the Australian Cup. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe 2,400, but, but this is Peter Moody we're talking about. And I think we're seeing the early signs of he's training this horse how he wants it to be trained. So it may not necessarily have to be a 24, 3,200. He might be able to, to train a you know, bit of a sprint like he did with Maniga into Spanish Mission. And so I, w- I want to see him again second up in the Peter Young and maybe look at him for the Australia Cup. Uh, with Barry Elegant, I just thought coming off a Melbourne Cup and the goal at the end is going to be the arc later in the year, I thought she did enough first up at 1,400. I am surprised that she is favourite for the Chipping Norton. Well, actually, she was favourite for the Chipping Norton, but now Think It Over is favourite now. So there's been a change in that market from Sunday to Monday when we're recording this podcast. So, yeah, I think um, Barry Elegant is on track, but I wouldn't be backing her second up. I still have Think It Over beating her in the Chipping Norton next up. I'm still kicking myself for not backing her in the Melbourne Cup, mate, so I'm, I'm locked into her for life now, unfortunately, because that was the only time I didn't back her. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, it's a pretty good analysis across all three of those, Big V. Spanish Mission worried me a little bit. Four to the two, I thought she got left a bit flat, or he got left a bit flat-footed. 2,000, yeah, it's a little bit further, maybe it's possible, but just a little bit untested at this sort of distant range, which at that higher Group 1 level would worry me a little bit, Big V. But we'll see how the field shapes up and uh, what kind of price we're getting on the day as well, I suppose. Now, Big V, um, we also saw uh, a couple, the Phillies and the and the Colts go around in the Blue Diamond preludes uh, at Caulfield. Um, are there anything from those races you're excited to follow or back into the Blue Diamond? No, not really. I think it's going to be a very open Blue Diamond. It might come down to, you know, 
it, it will come down to which horse can run out the 1200 but also i think the right run you know from the barriers and that sort of thing is going to play a big part i know the philly ran slightly quicker times than the colton geldings but i just think um i want to follow the horses coming out from that colton geldings race i thought lofty strike really looked like he had a, a lot more to give at the end of the 1100 and i think he looks like he's going to appreciate going to 1200 but then you look at a horse like dormier who was on the inside you know the worst part of the track you know he might be a big improver coming out of this and the query runner is jackano because he just was very slow out couldn't keep up then had to go on the inside and then got held up behind dormier and was all of a sudden he's under a a really vice-like grip and didn't extend to the line but you don't want to be backing a horse that could just flop out of the barriers and that's their race over and but then again you know Dormier had done a lot of that hard work on that worst part of the track you know whereas Jackano is you know having a bit of a bludge back in the you know back in the field he's entitled to run on while Dormier is on speed and is doing a lot more early work so yeah, I just think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really open blue diamond. Flemington this week, you know, a horse could emerge and they could be the blue diamond horse. So it's pretty open. I, I think at the moment I'm going to be steering clear of that blue diamond race. I'm not sure if there's there's a horse there that has stood out for you. Well, I was just about to agree with you, Big V. It's, I mean, it's an open race generally anyway. You know, a lot of unknowns with two-year-olds and you know that, I don't particularly like to back the two-year-olds anyway, mate, but just it's just an open race this year. I, I don't think I can draw too much from those races on the weekend, and mm. it'll just be who's ready, who gets the run on the day, and who's feeling good, and who's taken the, the most um, benefit out of the runs that they have had because, yeah, picking it now is a bit of a dartboard, dartboard effort, to be honest, mate. Yeah, no standouts. I want to also mention that I thought, I was, I, I thought Letizia was disappointing. She's been... Yeah, after her first up win, she looked like she had some good talent. And then I was prepared to you know, forgive her a little bit on Boxing Day in the preview because she drew wide and did get caught, you know, three wide on an, you know, on a on a lead speed and and but she still held her ground and ran third. And I thought, yeah, maybe we might see an improvement from her second up into the prelude. And again, she drew wide, also caught a little bit wide again in the run, but I just thought she didn't finish off, and I was expecting a bit more from Letizia, so I think I'm going to put a line through her, but yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough time, and you know, anything could just come out and get the right run and win. Well, mate, I am interested in your horses to follow this week, but before we do that, I just wanted to touch really quickly on the light fingers up there at Randwick, and we saw Boom Horse Espiona, who, um, for many racing experts, I don't know if you were one of them, mate, uh, basically had her as the next Winx, Caviar and Farlap combined. Just get nabbed on the line by Fangirl. On face value, a little bit disappointing for Mespiona, but on reflection, I do think that it was a pretty good run and maybe maybe Fangirl's pretty good. Yeah, I think they're both pretty good fillies. I mean, I've got a tip for Fangirl, but not for this race. I was told, you know, back there, she'll win second up and then she'll win again third up. So, you know, to see her win at $8, I thought, oh, you know, she's not going to be, you know, that sort of price next start. So, you know, looking at the surround stakes, you've still got Espiona 
$2 and Fangirl three fifty. So there's not much between them. Actually, Fangirl's starting price was $13, so there you go. I was going to say, Matt, I don't know who your bookie is, but you got robbed if you went on a, got her on at 8 No, I'm not sure. Maybe it was 8s on the total. So I can't remember. I don't know where I saw 8s from, but yeah, 13 starting price. Uh, Espiona, you know, still got good talent. She's only third up, and, you know, she did um, have a head to the side, and she didn't, she didn't really straighten up straight away in the straight, and, and she's only got beaten, you know, by a head. So, you know, that's only a third start. She could, she could be, you know, the best horse coming out of this race. So I wouldn't be... I mean, the price is what punters are willing to take, and, you know, I wasn't willing to take $1.60... You know, she was back in from, uh, I think, a dollar eighty was her opening price. So, you know, if punters want to take her at that price for a filly that's third up in a, in a group race here, you know, they're the, the risks you're taking with a, a horse that's still developing, you know, mentally and physically. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right there, Big V. Uh, to be fair, I think the price was pretty right. I mean, it's not the kind of price I'd usually get involved with or ever get involved with, but, you know... She wins it two out of three times, probably. That's probably right. I think she's still got a lot to learn. And, yeah, I, plenty of good races left in Espiona, so I won't be jumping off her. But it was just interesting. I think a lot of racing pundits expected her to really dominate, I think, throughout this entire campaign. Now, Big V, as I just foreshadowed earlier, I am very keen to understand, because this is what this race meeting was all about, really. A lot of, you know, first-up runs, a lot of first-starters even. Um, we've got our Blue Diamond Preludes. Who's going to win moving forward is the, really the question from this meeting, and I'm interested in particular who your horse is that you'll be following closely moving forward. Well, I thought um, race to Coast Watch, and I'm making this horse a should have backed it for mine because I wasn't sure how well he might come back first up and whether he'd need a run or two before his main goals and I was with the, the fit horse shark response but you know great ride by Craig Williams and close to the rail as well so probably extra merit in that run whereas the horse running on burning power was coming you know probably found the right part of the, the track so I think burning power is another horse to follow as well you know from the Philly side of things going further in distance you know, through the Phillies grade. But Coast Watch, be interesting to see if he runs in the Australian Guineas or the Randwick Guineas. I think the Australian Guineas is a lot easier for him, whereas, you know, Randwick could be coming up against, you know, the likes of Animo and Converge. I think the Australian Guineas is the easier race. $15 in both markets, but in the Australian Guineas, uh, you still got, you know, Animo in the market, Converge, Captivant. We're not sure if they're going to be coming down for those races. And you've got Hitotsu as the favourite. Hitotsu's going to run, I think I heard, first up in the Australian Guinea. So I think it's, you know, looking a good race for Coast Watch. Well, you can get $15 there in the Australian Guineas Big V. So if you get on now, you're getting a good price. But what what horse should we multi-Coast Watch into? Is another good horse to follow? Well, just, just saying that... Um, the other horse I do like in the Australian Guineas, I'm keen to see, is Pinstripe at Flemington. Oh, you can't have two, so, Big V. So there's two of them there, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're the two that I'm looking at. And I think out of the week as well, a horse that we can probably multi that into is Lost and Running into the Canterbury Stakes. Big return. You know, I read today that he's run a peak performance, and that's first up his prep. 
I mean, he's looking like he could be an Everest horse later in the year. I thought a race like the Newmarket Handicap would be perfect for lost and running, but I've heard that he's going to go to Canterbury Stakes and maybe try and step out to 1,500 this prep, so that probably rules out a new market. But, you know, lost and running, I think you know, he probably just gets the money next start, you think, in the Canterbury Stakes. And I think he's an exciting horse for later in the year for the Everest. Look, you can get 250 in the Canterbury Stakes into Coast Watch and the Australia Guineas. We'll forget that you like another horse as well, Big V. So that's not a bad little futures multi there early in the season. All right, Big V. Well, thank you for that hard-hitting analysis as always. Mate, it's good to have you back and good to hear from you as well. Um, haven't had a good chat in a while, so hearing your thoughts certainly uh, gets me set for a massive autumn carnival. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up at the races soon. Yeah, hopefully in a couple of weeks. There's a few good meetings coming up. You know, All-Star Mile looks a good meeting we can catch up for. And, you know, I did ask if you wanted to go to the Easter Handicap, because I've got the, the week off, maybe, and you've uh, already got plans. Well, mate, yeah, I'm, I'm a lock for every Easter. You won't, you won't find me anywhere near Melbourne over Easter. So, uh, But I can still have a bet with you, mate. We can still make it work, but... I'll be looking to hit Caulfield or Flemington pretty soon, I think, because we're getting some ripping weather and we've got to take advantage of it. Yeah, we've got a big lightning stakes coming up this week. That's going to be a really hot race and best light, best lightning I can remember in a few years as well. Have you got a, just at the end, mate, any uh, any tip for us or do you want to wait till later in the week and put it on our at should have backed it Twitter handle? Well, I think when the, the fields come out and make a final decision, in, in this early stage, I, I really did like the trial of Nature Strip, but I'm not going to dive into 250. I mean, if you're running against Eduardo and Master Crusader, Profiteer, I think you know, 250 is a bit skinny because you know coming up against some good quality horses, if, it, if, it, if he has a three by, besides his name, I, I might entertain him. But, yeah, I do like... I did look like the look of Nature Strip's jump out last week. I think you're dreaming if you think you're going to see a three anywhere near Nature yeah, Strip this week, so mate. Too. You, can, you can always dream. and Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the bookies will, will play him pretty safe. So maybe it's just, uh, you know, you just got to take the price or you just watch and you know, just watch an exciting race unfold. Yeah, well, it's always exciting when those sprinters go head-to-head, isn't it? So... Um, yeah, certainly looking forward to, to that race and a few others. And we'll, as I mentioned, make sure we put our best bets up on the at Twitter at Should Have Backed It Twitter handle because I know a lot of people follow those and particularly Big Yours, Big V, like to multi them up because uh, it often goes very well. But thanks, mate, and uh, thanks to our listeners. It's good to be back for 2022 and the Autumn Carnival. And as always, good luck on the punt.